Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. What do a farmer in Kansas, a laid-off factory worker in Ohio, and an Uber driver in Florida have in common? All three are resourceful, positive thinkers who strive to adapt and thrive despite dehumanizing forces at play in the American economy. As the film's heroes face these roadblocks with courage, certain ideas remain sacred, family, love, and staying strong in the face of adversity. The film is called The Disrupted, and it is a wonderful documentary film about these three people, but it's about a lot more than that. It's, a, it's about our place in America today as we strive to adapt to an economy that's based on technology and so many other things that are leaving a lot of these people behind. Again, the film is called The Disrupted, and we're joined today by the director, and that would be Sarah Colt. Sarah, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me. How did the idea germinate with you uh, in terms of the, this film, The Disrupted? Where did it come from? Well, it started really in the aftermath of the 2016 presidential election, trying to kind of make sense of what had happened over the course of the election and the outcome of the election, and really thinking about the election itself as a symptom of a much larger issue. Right. And I had made a, I was in the middle of making a film about the Gilded Age um, for PBS, a history film. And, you know, the populist movement in America started in Kansas in the 1890s right. uh, during the Gilded Age. And the issues, you know, many people talk about how we're living through a second Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, without maybe consciously understanding that, that the, what I was learning from the history and working on a history film really influenced how, what I was interested in in the present day and what was happening in the present day. The other aspect of it is just feeling very much the need to, you know, I was excited. I had the opportunity to get back to kind of my documentary roots, which is what I became a documentary filmmaker to do, which is to be with people and understand where people are coming from and just use a camera as an excuse to spend time with people that I wouldn't have the chance to spend time with otherwise. What did you learn in your research of the Gilded Age that resonates or sounds eerily reminiscent? Well, um, this sense of um, no matter how hard you work and no matter how hard you try, you're set up for failure. So um, this sense that I think Americans felt in the 1880s and 1890s, even starting early as 1870s, as the country became industrialized or as it was becoming industrialized moving from an agrarian society right into moving from an exactly moving from a, a a very sort of regional society that was just based on subsistence farming to a nation that was crisscrossed with railroads and there were factories and people were making money you know hand over fist and very similar to kind of where we are today with technology and the you know Silicon Valley, where one day there's no such thing as a computer in your pocket. And then the next day, everybody's got a computer in their pocket. You know, that's similar to how things happened in the, you know, 1890s with, with just even, you know, all sorts of different um, um, manufacturing and all sorts of different things that you can think about. So the idea that individuals were 
struggling and working so hard, but just couldn't get ahead no matter what. That's kind of the idea, I think, in a way, which is we have this myth of like our individuality, which is great. We're all, you know, we love this idea that we're individuals and we can do things, but it's also really hard on people if you think, oh, I should be able to do this. And then the reality is there are all these forces working against you. The film focuses on three people, focuses on Don, Cheryl, and Pete. And if you want to describe them or in terms of what their lives are and how, before you answer that question, if you don't mind, how did you meet them? Did you film a lot more people and it kind of distilled down to these three or how did that process of kind of vetting who we see in the film? So, you know, originally I was trying to figure out, would we go to one place and stay in one place and sort of see, because the idea was, well, what's going to happen over these next couple of years? What what's going on in this country? And is this, you know, is the Trump presidency going to be an answer of some sort? Is it going to help hurt? What, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? We didn't, you know, we wasn't sure. So the idea could have been, we, we thought a lot about like one place. And then we, when we decided to go to a, multiple geographies or different places, um, we did end up, we started out following five people. We did a, a, quite a lot of reporting and I, had a partner on this film named Josh Gleason, who was a co-director on the film and was instrumental in finding people and helping me figure all of this out. We, you know, spent a lot of time just following up leads. You know, we had a, a guy helping us at one point who spent, you know, days in the Denver cell phone lot talking to Uber drivers in Denver and it didn't quite lead to anybody that we thought would work. And then we ended up in Florida. I mean, it's, it was a lot of kind of reporting, I would say, just yeah. reporting before there was any filming. Well, then let's go to the, these three people that you did settle on. Don is a farmer and uh, Cheryl was a mortgage or she was in the real estate business. Mortgage? Um, yeah, she processed people's mortgages. mortgages. Yeah. And then Pete was worked for 3M for a number of years. And so those are the three. And what is very good about the film. One of the things that is the strengths of the film is that these are sectors of the economy that have been impacted dramatically by the change in, in our, in the way things are going for the middle class. So tell us a little bit about these people, Don, Cheryl, and Pete. Well, so they were all, um, you know, when we were doing all this reporting, trying to find people, we were, we, we landed with Don, Cheryl, and Pete because they each were sort of at a turning point in their own lives. They were sort of at a moment of transition or change, but they also had other very interesting things going on in their lives as well. So starting with Don, Don has a, a farm that has been in his family for five generations, but he also walk, works off of the farm and he has to work off the farm in order to make ends meet. Um, and he's a he's a really an activist in his own right, and he's lobbying for small farmers, both the local level in Kansas and also in the national level in Washington. When we met him, so what made us attracted to Don was you know there are a lot of reasons to be attracted to Don, but one one of them was that he had this deep history in the land and this deep love of farming, but he also couldn't you know he was facing the possibility of losing um, his land or having to sell some of his land. And, and so he was at a turning point both personally, but he also had this bigger story about advocacy. He's terrific. He's a very engaging, 
this sort of Midwestern kind of all shucks. Uh, I'm just doing my job. You know, this is the this is the way we do things here. Kind of uh, sensibility to him, and uh, and you, Cheryl. Let's let's uh, talk a little bit about and, her. And so Cheryl was really interesting because, first of all, there aren't a lot of women driving. So basically, all three of these professions are kind of traditionally dominated by men. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Cheryl had the that aspect, which she was a woman doing a job that was really predominantly a man's job, right. and taking quite a lot of risk, being a driver, working late at night, and having people attack her and assault her. I mean, she's, you know, never been horribly attacked, but, you know, groped and horrible things, but that she was also really determined to organize drivers, that she was, she was not happy with the way Uber and Lyft were treating drivers. And she was trying very hard to bring drivers together. And it's a very tough thing to do. And she was doing, a you know, a really, amazing job at trying. And so we were interested for that reason. And then Pete, who was the factory worker, he worked for 3M and he was laid off. That's where, where we meet him. He's literally, I think it's the very first thing we see in the film is him kind of a go-getter. They're all very positive, but, but with Pete, it's, it's, it's like a, a football coach, a high school football coach with everyone he meets, practically speaking. So talk a little bit about Pete. Yeah, no, Pete was very appealing to us because we did talk to a lot of people who were whose factories were closing and, you know, people are really angry and Pete was ang- is angry too. Yeah. But what Pete had that was very attractive to us was just this very, as you say, positive attitude and this determination and sort of a sense that he was going to just, you know, he had had to remake himself several times already in his life. He's a, he's a very American kind of, per, you know, persona where he's, willing to just keep trying and keep a positive attitude. And we just knew that he would do just from his sense of perseverance and optimism that it was going to be interesting to see what was going to happen to Pete. Um, It was hard to know what was going to happen with Pete. He was of the three of them, the least activist, but as you say, he's kind of like brings people together. He's very, very good with people. Exactly. That that is a thread through the, through all their characters that they're determined not just to uplift themselves, but to try and uplift those around them, and for their own benefit as well. I mean, they're all in. This is all something that the it's the greater good that helps the rising tide lifts all boats. And I think that's you see this in all these characters. Want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Sarah Colt. She is co-director along with Josh Gleason of this wonderful new documentary film called The Disrupted. And uh, how can people find out more about The Disrupted? Well, we're really excited because they um, we've had a virtual theatrical run and the film is still playing in art house theaters around the country. And then as of this week, the film is available on Amazon Prime and Google Play and iTunes. So it's video, you know, video on demand. So if you want to see the film, it's very readily readily available to you on a number of different platforms. And the website is The Disrupted the disruptedfilm.com and you can go there and and both get to video on demand or if you want to support your local art house theater you can buy a ticket still through probably the end of the month and there's also a a take action option on the website so if people are interested in sort of the the bigger issues that are, are are spoken of in this film that they can also be a part of that as well 
Yes, we're really, we always imagined and we're excited to be running an impact campaign alongside the rollout of the, the film. Yeah. And so we're planning impact events where if you're interested in having this film come to your community, please come go to our website, fill out the form, and we are having all sorts of, at this point, mostly virtual events. In the making of The Disrupted, uh, this is just one of those skill sets that um, many of the great documentary filmmakers have, and that is the ability to kind of blend in. We really do see these people in some pretty darn intimate moments in, in their lives. And I'm thinking particularly of Don and his wife when they're faced with a medical situation and other situations, talking to the kids about the farm, how what's going to happen you know, now that he's been through this uh, dealing with this uh, um, medical issue, and then Pete and his wife, and uh, they let it fly in front of you. And I, I just, I'm always marvel at your ability to kind of, or people like yourself, to blend in, to to just sort of be not, be there but not be there. And how is that? How do you do that? I think it's about building relationships with the people that you're filming with, and you know, I think we, you know, we spent a lot of time with the various subjects and families over the course of about two years. So oh. it, it builds. And so when things, you know, some of the moments that you've mentioned happened deeper into our relationship with the subjects than, you know, on the first day that we started filming, you know, these things, they, you yeah. get, you create a, a sense of trust. These were all being there with a camera and a sound person. And, you know, it's, it's a sort of a, interesting dynamic. I started out as a still photographer and as a still photographer, it's just you and you have one, you know, you have your camera and that's it. And so it becomes with filmmaking and it's, it's even that much more, you know, complicated that it's more people. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, the, the day that Pete and Melissa had a really terrible argument and we were there, you know, there are three of us in the house when that was happening in addition to them. And so it was quite a intense day. I mean, these so were they just forget you're there. Is that how it works? Do you sort of, do they just, after you've been around for such a long period of time, they sort of I just, or just get used to you being there to the point where they are, are able to be honest. It's a combination of, of both. And I think, you know, in the, in the, the Pete, um, you know, Pete's family is very open and they're very comfortable with emotion and, you know, with their own emotions and their own relationships. And they're just really out there in, yeah. an, in a very refreshing way. Yeah. Um, and so that was, I think, pretty comfortable for them that we were there. And I think they, I mean, I think that there is a relationship that gets created that does um, they were going through a really hard time and somehow an outsider somehow can help or something. I don't know quite how to describe it, but there is something in that. I, I don't want to read too much. I'm not a psychologist, but I, it feels like you're, you're, uh, you're an objective. You're an outsider who isn't emotionally invested in either side, theoretically, right? And so maybe you being there is sort of a, and it gives them both a, so a little more freedom to talk with one another in a, in a certain way that, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't, you know more about this than I, there is one little thing that I really liked in this part of the film that for uh, some part of the argument that we're talking about, we're upstairs in the bedroom with their son. And so you can just hear the, the, what they're talking about. I thought that was a very effective from a cinematic point of view 
being able to pull the sun into the into the sort of the visual part of the film, knowing the ramifications for him, but being there and him in his room, who amongst us hasn't sat in our rooms listening to our parents fight, right? Who I mean, everyone. So it was a very humanizing moment in the film for me. Oh, thank you. I mean, I feel like that was a very intense scene and day. And, you know, we I were lucky and Josh and I were so lucky to get Lynn True to edit this film. She's an amazing editor of an observational um, film. And she went through every bit of footage. And, you know, we knew when we filmed it that it was kind of a, an amazing scene because, you know, Alex, there's Pete and Melissa's son was actually watching Rebel Without a Cause yes, that's while, right. his, while his parents were fighting about him in some ways, about how to raise him and how to help him because he was really struggling. And this idea that he's watching Rebel Without a Cause while he's, you know, he's very upset about his parents, you know, having this fight, but that's his way, that was his way of kind of dealing with it. It was kind of an amazing thing that he was even doing that. And I will say, and with Pete and Melissa and their argument, is they were very angry, but at the same time, they both kept, they were generally pretty darn positive in, and like, let's fix this. It's about us. We can, we, how do we make this work? Which I, I, I mean, it's really refreshing. And, and I mean, I'm so happy that it wasn't just a, just a hair pulling kind of crazy, you know, say everything that ever came into your mind about someone else. It's, that and I think that's that's it's just a healthy film <laughs> you know what I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this film that are emotionally kind of uh tough and w hard to watch in in sense that these people are going through this but all of them have a real strong sense of making this work of being positive in the face of overwhelming sometimes overwhelming odds so these are, I mean, this really is, it's a, it's a, it's a good watch for that reason alone is it, you come through it thinking they're trying hard. They're doing everything they can to make this work. And um, whether they're successful or not, that's, but they're not, it's not for lack of trying. Exactly. And I think that the thing that convincing Don to do the film, I think he wanted to do it, but it, it, like Kathy, his wife wasn't so sure she wanted to be part of a documentary film and I think ultimately, you know, he decided to do it because he wanted to show other small farmers that they're not alone. And, you know, I think that's kind of the message in some ways, which is it's very easy to feel that we're all trying to do whatever struggle we're in is that we're so alone. And in fact, so many of us, because of the system that we live in, are in a similar struggle. Right. And so if there, if there was any sense of what the film you know, can help with hopefully is not only make you feel less alone, but also possibly feeling activized yourself to want to do something about the system and think about what can we do to make ourselves be more together. Like it's very, right now we're so divided as a nation. The reality is we have a lot more in common with That's each right. other. That is an important thread. This is such an important thing for people to understand and films like The Disrupted are are part of, of helping people better understand that the thoughts you're having, the things you're going through, are not just yourself, not just you alone in a very in a world that can be very cold and very unforgiving. And we're all going through some version of this in our lives. It's good to see that on screen to sort of 
connect with someone else who, okay, I'm not alone. And the thing about farmers in Don's case, the the farm, five generations, the suicide rate among um, small farmers now is off the charts. In fact, India went through something very similar to this a few years ago when they were going through this massive kind of upheaval of the economy, moving from an agrarian society. And they had an incredible die off of, of farmers, small farmers in India. Uh, and so this is a phenomenon that is, is, is predictable in these transitions. That's why people, we should, we should have a much better healthcare system, a much better health, mental health care system, because these are inevitable byproducts of a changing world, good and bad about all those things. But this is something that this film also, in some ways, really kind of showcases because you, you, there are, there are people that are killing themselves. These farmers, five generation farmers who are killing themselves now. That's not Don's fate. But in fact, Don has, he's run hotlines where he's talking farmers down from the, or talking to wives of farmers who are saying, my husband's locked in his room and I don't know what to do. And what we were showing, I mean, with the film, there was a farm crisis in the, in the 80s. And now there's an, we are in another farm crisis. Right. Um, and this is happening right now. That same level of suicide has, is happening again. And Don is once again, trying to talk people down from taking their lives. Well, it's a wonderful film. Congratulations to you and Josh for your work on this film. Uh, the film again is called The Disrupted, and you can see it right now in virtual theaters it's still in some virtual theaters so you can check it out here in los angeles i believe it's the lemley theater chain which has been fantastic by the way for virtual theater releases especially for independent documentary and foreign films it's always been great in the days in which we used to go to brick and mortar theaters but now it's really stepped up in terms of supporting virtual theater experiences and it's also will be available starting now it's available as of Tuesday, actually. It's on um, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Google Play, Vimeo, and YouTube. So you can really watch it. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's free. So you can just go right to your Amazon Prime account and, and play the film. And if you're so moved, you, sh- you could also host a screening, gather some of your neighbors together, friends and family and all, and watch it. You can't help but have a conversation after you watch a film like this. You just, there's no way you can't not talk about it. Well, thank you so much. It's really fun talking to you about the film. It was a, it was a big uh, project and took three years of my life. And it's so gratifying to hear you say such kind things about it. So thank you. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you again. The film again is The Disrupted. We've been talking with the co-director, Sarah Colts. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.